0: Hey, I hope you all are doing well during this unprecedented time in history. COVID-19 has affected us around the world in different ways. And please, please, please stay as positive as you can, because this too will pass. Welcome to My Dream Big Club's podcast, where we look to inspire and motivate you to dream big. And I'm your host, Shilm Phillips. Our guest today is the epitome of pushing through fear while dreaming big. Have you ever been in a situation where you were waiting for a fair to disappear before taking any action, but the fair just didn't disappear until you actually started the task? I don't know about you, but that's the story of my life dating back to when I was a young buck. I remember vividly as a kid being scared to walk to my dad's room just to let him know I got a bad grade in honors biology. In my mind, I would play through the fact that he was going to be upset and I wasn't going to be able to go to any parties, couldn't watch TV, and so forth. So I would literally practice my script and pace back and forth, hoping I could deliver the greatest speech to him, and he would respond, You know what, son? The way you broke it down was immaculate. I'm happy you gave it your best. Well, that never happened. Fast forward to present time. I have been able to mitigate those fares through proper preparation and saying a quick prayer before I hit the stage. The guest you are about to hear from has taken the journey of growing up in a military family and having a wonderful mother who set examples of being comfortable by being unique, allowing yourself to be yourself, and embracing fear.
1: And I said that a lot of times we don't do things because we're afraid. And the best way to combat the intimidation that comes from the things that we're afraid of is to do it afraid. A lot of the times when we're dreaming of something big and we want to do something big, we're waiting for the fear to go away. And what we realize is that it's never going away. It's never going away. When your dreams are so outrageously huge, you're never going to be fearless in this process.
0: That's the Shana Barber, who was crowned Miss USA in 2016 placed top nine at Miss Universe and is currently a motivational speaker and captain in the United States Army Reserve. It's safe to say that she is a well-rounded individual who is vocal and comfortable in her own skin. In this conversation, Dashauna takes us through her path of allowing her past experiences and pain to evolve her as a person as she shares how vulnerability has given her more power and control of her life. Let's go. All right, Gash- Dashana, how are you doing?
1: I am doing good, considering everything that's going on in the world. How are you? Yeah, yeah, There's
0: a lot. There's a lot that's going on, and you know, we just have to stay positive. But um, but yeah, it, it's. It, has that like like what have you been doing to kind of you know stay the course with that?
1: Um. I think it's very difficult to stay positive. I've, I've been on my Instagram and I just have to be honest, it's been very difficult to find positivity through this because I've already lost a friend. So um, the COVID-19. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I can't really sugarcoat how I'm maintaining, but I will say that what I've been doing, which I love um, T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes has uploaded a bunch of virtual sermons of him speaking in an empty church um but his sermons have been specific to COVID-19 and how you can get through the process of believing that even during the worst of days you know the heavens are still looking over us. So I have been using TD Jakes as a resource. So if anyone needs a level of inspiration, I know it's been helping me keep my sanity. Uh yeah, I think it's just Bishop Jakes on his YouTube channel, and it's it's amazing. I, I've been using that to keep my my head above water.
0: Uh, yeah, my my wife's. Uh, she's. I hear her in the background, listen to it all the time, but I, I haven't had a chance to catch on it yet. So so how, how would others describe who Deshanna Barber is? <laughs>
1: They probably describe me a little bit crazy, um, to be (laughs) honest. I I don't know if they would give, oh, she's so kind and so sweet. I don't know if that would be their response. I think they would say that I'm I'm very bold. Um, I'm funny. I'm constantly trying to find ways to be weird and make people laugh. They'll probably describe me as a go-getter because I'm constantly looking for um, new new ways to challenge myself, new ways to advance myself, and advance the things I understand. Um, and they probably describe me as being compassionate. So, I'd say so, so, so let's take
0: the let's take the boldness right. Have you always been someone that's been bold in the things that you were doing and and the way that you were thinking?
1: Yes, I, yeah. I think I've always been a go against the grain type personality where i'm, I'm never walking in the same crowd that i'm i'm, I'm never the type that's like a, attracted to what everyone is doing I'm, I'm the type that likes to break the mold and break through the glass ceiling I, I definitely don't believe in conforming and most of what i do and what i've done throughout my life has been based on what can i do to break the norm or, or, or break the stereotypes that's being placed on me, not only as a woman, but as a black woman. Um, and I, I think I've done a really good job at showing people that it's okay to be bold and to be different. And it's okay for you to not feel like you need to be placed within a box. Um, and I find that as a woman and as a black woman, I'm constantly being placed in boxes and I just don't think that that's fair in terms of allowing someone to be their true self.
0: Okay. So, so with, with that growing up in a um, military family, do you feel like that has obviously helped with the mindset that you have today?
1: I do. Um, Although I would consider the military to be somewhat traditional, um, both my mother, my mother and my father both served in the military and they met, um, while they were both in the Army, actually. And I think that probably what drove me in terms of being unique is probably my mother more than anything because she was a mechanic. <laughs> um, she was not only a truck driver in the Army, when she got out the Army, she became a mechanic. And it's, she was the only uh, female in her class or her graduating class or like the 10 graduating classes before that um, at her university. And she always pushed us to, to not feel as if, Um, we're incapable of doing things merely because we don't see people that look like us within that space. So I think that she kind of drove me growing up to, you know, it's okay to not only work in male-dominated spaces, but also be able to find a level of femininity. I remember there's this picture of her working on a car, and this is back in the, the 90s, in the early 2000s, when like super long, long nails are coming back for some reason. But this was back when, you know, baby boomers were like wearing nails that were like curling and super long. And when she was a mechanic, she would be sitting over a car, and there's a picture of her, and her nails are at least six inches long. And wow. She really, working on an engine. So she was just so different. Um, And I think that that drove me to feel a little bit more comfortable with being unique, and a little bit more comfortable uh, with not allowing myself to, to feel as if I have to conform.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel like long nails never left.
1: I don't think they're right. <laughs> So now that I look now that you think about it, I feel like long nails have been trending for a very long time. I literally can't have and I, I pop my nails off. I usually have on acrylic nails, but my nails usually are about um a, a, a little bit of a centimeter or something like that past the, the 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 end of my finger. And anytime it gets any longer than that, I can't even type in my phone or type uh-huh. in my laptop. So when I see girls with like Nails is fun. like, girl, how are you typing? There's do you do no anything? way. <laughs> there's just no way. Anyway, but that's just, there's, there's, that's, right.
0: there's a lot of questions we'll have with that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, uh, so growing up as a kid, um, how were you like as a kid or, or as a high schooler?
1: Um, I think that as a kid and even as a high schooler, I was quite active. I, I love climbing trees. We, it, I grew up majority of my childhood was spent partially, in North Carolina and then partially in Minnesota. And the trees are are beautiful, they're tall and they're incredibly strong. And I just remember as a kid, myself and my brother, we would always be, climbing through or, or going through the woods, trying to find the biggest tree and then see who can get to the top the quickest, which I look back now and it was actually quite dangerous of me to do that. But um, no accidents ever happened, but I, I, I've always considered myself a pretty active person. I was always very tomboyish, um, which is probably why pageantry ended up intriguing me later on in life is because I had spent so long up until like my 19, 19, 20 year old time frame, you know, never wearing a dress and never wearing a skirt or makeup or earrings and things along those lines. Um, so I've I've always considered myself to be a tomboy, for the most part, <laughs> growing up.
0: So let's let's talk about that, right? So you mentioned pageantry. How how did someone that considers himself a tomboy? How did you even think about pageantry, or how did that even? cross your mind that, hey, you know what? Let's go for this Miss USA, why not?
1: So I I actually have a, it's a great question because I actually have a a Goldcast video. Um, I love Goldcast, they're they're great for a space. I'm sure with you having this platform, you're you're aware of the being one of the biggest motivation-speaking platforms out there. Um, I have a video that's out right now um, that talks about how I was discovered in Target. (laughs) And when I was discovered in Target, I was literally between freshman and sophomore year and um, I was folding clothes and a recruiter for a local state pageant had walked up to me and said, you look like you could be the next Miss USA. And um, by then I had never seen a pageant before in my life. The only correlation that I had with pageantry was Miss Congeniality, you know, starring Sandra Bullock. So um, I remember going home after she mentioned it, I just started Googling pageants and all these things. And I ended up uh, using her as a pageant coach for the next few years. Um, And I I think that what I love most about life is that sometimes we don't realize what direction we're going without a slight push or without fates or, or some level of destiny happening Mm -hmm. that exposes us to something we would not have normally seen, and, and I've always seen myself as someone that believes that our purpose is, is going to expose itself to us eventually, in some way, shape, or form. We just have to be open-minded enough to see that, hey, you know, maybe this is the direction or a career path I can go into. So I think there's one thing that I appreciate about that experience in itself is when she approached me at first, I'm thinking within my mind is no, that's never going to happen. But I did my research and I realized, you know, this is something that sounds cool. And then eventually, you know, I went on to become the first soldier to win this USA and all these things. So I think being open-minded with your dreams is always important for people.
0: Okay, okay. So get discovered in Target, right? <laughs> so all, all you, all you, all those that are listening in Target, you could always, uh, you never know, when you're gonna be discovered, really
1: you never know
0: (laughs) there you just uh overnight miss usa i mean it was it was a very easy path
1: i wish (laughs) i wish so it took me seven years seven years to win the state pageant (laughs) it took me seven years to win the state pageant so for those that don't know um when you compete at Miss USA, you have to win your state first. So when you turn on the competition and you're watching it, and these girls are on stage, they all have sashes on, and it's Miss Mississippi or Alabama or New Hampshire. All of these women had to compete in a similar style pageant, but at a smaller scale within their state. And to win your state, is so difficult in my opinion i felt like winning my state was harder than winning Miss usa because when you compete at the state level you don't have an entire team behind you um once you win your state you have the miss alabama usa organization that's helping prep you for miss usa hmm. before you know you're competing at the state level you have nobody um so i think competing Seven years straight. And for those that don't know, it's also once a year. So you've got one shot that one interview that one swimsuit competition that one evening gown competition. And every single year, I was not even placing. So if they had a top wow. 15, I was not in it. Wow. Um, so leading up until the second to the last year of eligibility, because I won at 26. And at the time, you you literally have up until you're 26 to compete and then you age out and you're considered too old. So I won as a 26 year old. Um, But my 25th year um, when I was 25 years old, uh, which was my sixth year competing because I started at 19. um, The second to the last year that I competed, I placed for the first time and I was so thankful because again, for six years I hadn't even touched the top 15. And um, again, on the final year, I, I went on to win. And I think that everyone usually will, will say, well, what, Deshaunna, what was the shift that final year? The shift that final year is I just stopped caring. I stopped mm-hmm. caring. I, I literally, I, I think that the first six years I have walked into the competition, I think that as people, we have a tendency to do this, where we'll walk into an interview, we'll walk into a space, and we choose to act a way in an expectation that that's what we think the person wants us to act like. So we're assuming, or I assumed at that moment, this is what they're looking for. So this is what I'm going to act like. My seventh year and final year, I said, you know what? Faking it till you're making it is not working. So let me just go in there and be myself. (laughs) Let's just see what happens. It's my final year. You know, I'm just going to go out with a bang. And just be Deshaun for the yeah. first time ever. And I decided to be myself, talk the way that I normally talk, act the way that I normally act. And then I went on to win. And then I did the same thing at Miss USA. I walked in there and I, I, I was myself. And that ends up, you know, winning the crown. And it just, it just goes to show that, you know, being yourself is the best version of yourself that you can oh. offer. People, and we shouldn't be afraid of, of of holding back who we are for fear of judgment, you know? And I, I think that that's what the whole process taught me is that, Nishana, you're good enough and and you're a queen whether these people choose you or not, whether the crown goes on your head, you're a queen regardless.
0: Yeah, and I I remember seeing in, in one of the competitions, you're walking out and you, you, did, you stick your tongue out and you're just like, yeah. I don't know why I even <laughs> did that, right? <laughs> Which is funny though, but i like, I think what you're speaking about is just that there's no one better than 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 who you believe you are and that you're comfortable in your skin because that's when the genuine person comes out. And then you're not trying to fake it, you're not trying to put out a facade, like you're you. Like this this is what you get. And you know, and, and, and in doing that, um, I think that's 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 great because obviously when you put out that genuine Deshana, um, you won, right? Which is which is wonderful.
1: Absolutely. And I'm, it's so funny you brought up the tongue thing cause I've literally looked back. I'm like, just shut up. I told myself, I'm like, I ain't gonna make it past this part. They're gonna cut me at swimsuit I'm sure. So i was like, yeah. stuck my tongue out. <laughs> I'm just like, I look back and I remember going backstage and people were like, why would you do that? I was like, girl, I ain't gonna make it past this spot anyway. So I might as well go out with a bang again and have a good time. And then I end up making it past that part. And I'm like, wow, these people really like me. I don't understand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So, so so, take take it to right. a, a sense of that you are in like six, the seventh year you finally get how do you how do you get your mind right the mindset of I'm gonna keep going like okay I didn't place I'm gonna keep going at what point do you say like like oh man maybe this isn't for me but like how, how do you get that all those negative doubts and feelings in the head and just keep going before we hear that here's a quick message. My Dream Big Club wants you to succeed by providing our business startup pack, which includes incorporating your business to website support, to creating a budget. Push fear aside and listen to that voice that's telling you to get started. For more information, visit MyDreamBigClub.com.
1: Well, a mantra that I go by, um, that I a quote that I created some years ago is, do not fear failure, but please be terrified of regret. <clears throat> and I, I really live by that quote, mostly because I've, been through so much in life that has created a large level of regret um, and resentment for having fear uh, to achieve something and and, and allowing it to um, weigh me down so much to where I decided not to chase the things that I've wanted. So I think that during those years, there's something about losing for me that wants me to win more and more and more and more and more. So it's like the more that they didn't choose me, the, the more often that they chose someone else that looks nothing like me, mm-hmm. that doesn't understand my experience, that may not represent the culture of DC, because I was Miss DC before I went on to Miss USA, I would always sit myself back and say, gosh, you know, what would it be like uh, to, to represent women in this light? And, military is one of those situations to where you're either traditional or you're not in the military so either you think a woman can be feminine or you don't and i've been the type that i've been trying to push to break the mold of the, the definition of a military woman and allowing us to embrace our femininity without believing that it depreciates the quality of the uniform so I think that in the process of going through that each year and the judgment that was cast on me for being able to do both, only encouraged me to continue to push, push the mark in hopes that what I would represent would encourage people to see that you can be anything that you put your mind to and that you can't confine yourself to one space based on the opinion of other people.
0: I think that's a that's a great mantra to go by cuz I think that I mean a lot of times I I do believe a lot of people go they, they die thinking about what what I could have done or what I should have mm-hmm. done and that mantra is is you know when you're mixing it with you just being you right and then you're also thinking in your mind like hey I'm I'm not going to regret it and I'm just going to put up my best foot forward so that's wonderful um, With that being said do you think your trajectory would have been different had you won the first year
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if they had chosen me the first year, because I do look back and I'm like, okay, Deshaun, you kind of didn't, you kind of shouldn't have. It, it was right that you didn't win some of these years because you look a mess. Um, but I definitely think that if the crown had gone on me any earlier, I would not have won Miss USA. Um, I, yeah, I definitely don't think I would have won Miss USA. I probably would have been an unplaced because, you know, you go to Miss USA, you may not place at all. Um, so I think I probably would have been unplaced because I think, Sometimes we're, we're, we we're take issue with the process, but we don't realize that the process is literally growing us into what we need to be to actually be the version of ourselves that's necessary to handle the dream that we want. So each year I was becoming a better version of Deshauna, and I was becoming more equipped to be Miss USA with each year, each year I learned more, each year, I became um, more well-spoken each year i gained more confidence each year uh, i think i started to evolve because every year i was learning something whether it's whether it's intentional or unintentional so by the time i got to the seventh year little did i know that i was miss usa right when the miss dc crown went on me i was prepared and i was ready and once i went off to miss usa all the puzzle pieces had placed themselves and i think that you can't be afraid of the process. Sometimes the process of loss is is only preparing us for that win, and we just have to be patient because you may not be where you need to be in life to be able to handle the dream that you want. So you have to allow yourself to get there and your life to get there. Your personality, your finances, um, your 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 financial situation, your family situation. Sometimes things. Sometimes your dream is going to happen. It's just just has to come at a time where you are in the exact spot that you need to be able to handle it so the process in itself is important
0: yeah and I think you had mentioned about just being able to you know overcoming adversity and and being able to to grow and you know each time getting better throughout the process Mm -hmm. so uh with that being said how has how has some of your, your past adversities and, you know, feel free to, you know, share them um, prepared you for, for who you are today?
1: Hmm. So I've got a few, a few things that have happened over life. I know that you and I, even before we got on the call, we talked about my experience with child sexual abuse and, you know, it's one of those things to where pain in itself, it pushes you to, understand that the world is not always the most peaceful place that we hope it to be. Um, And I think that when you're experiencing something that's so detrimental uh, to your self-esteem, it challenges you to what can I do to not be this person or what can I do to never, hurt someone the way that I've been hurt. Sometimes I think that pain prevents pain because it pushes us to want to be better people. And it's a terrible experience, but I think that I've become such a lover of the younger generation and protecting them based on my experience with predators that I have gone through and i create a life that's not only based in encouraging people to chase their dreams, but also encouraging people to be cognizant of the generation that we are growing and growing into adults in the future of this world. So it sounds bad, and, and some people may not be able to understand it, but sometimes we have to allow our past experiences and our past pains to evolve us into a better version of ourselves because we have been at our lowest low. And what can we do to use this experience to make sure that no one has to experience what you experienced in the past? So I've done a lot of um, events and, and, and I've collaborated with a lot of organizations that are dedicated to protecting children. And I'm hoping that my experience allows some of these kids that have been silenced, allows them to have a voice so that in the future we can prevent less children from being able to go through these things. And I think that sometimes you need a push. Sometimes you need to understand it to fix it. And that's the bad part about pain. That's the bad part about experiencing things that are so um, impactful to us is because you never understand it till you've gone through it so how can i see the signs in a kid if i don't know what it feels like to have been attacked or or abused by a predator so it has it has a few um silver linings in it but i definitely think that it's just made me a better person Um, and it's one of those things that just allowed me to see people for who they are and to appreciate the good people that come into my life because yeah. I know that there's evil out there. So it can be hard, but yeah. we have to find a silver lining in our pain. That makes Yes.
0: Sense. So, yeah, no, it makes it makes perfect sense uh, to, to what you're saying, though. So, so I'm a parent of, of two little ones.
1: Right. Aww. I think you kind
0: of you kind of mentioned something
1: mm-hmm. about
0: being able to empower the youth to be to be bold and confident. Yeah. So as a, a parent, you know, what what can you tell me to make sure that I am providing the, you know, my kids with, with the boldness and the the confidence to to be vocal?
1: How can we empower our kids to be bold and confident? I don't know about you coming from a Nigerian family, but I know that as a community of people, Adults in general, I think we have a tendency to dismiss our kids and how they feel and what they say because we're adults and we just assume that we know everything. And I think that sometimes that that's where we go wrong because kids are quite intuitive and they're 10 times more intelligent than we think they are.
0: Big time, yeah.
1: And they understand life and the good and the bad, more than we know sometimes. So, I think that sometimes we have to trust our kids a little bit more in the next generation to be able to make decisions for themselves. One thing I do notice, and what I always project to parents when they're trying to catch the signs, or they're trying to, my kid is being bullied, or my kid experiencing this, my kid is experiencing that they don't give their kids a safe space to be able to say how they feel mm-hmm. you're used to shutting your kids down you're used to telling them you're just a kid you know you don't pay any bills here you don't know anything about what's going on i know my mom was quick be like, you don't pay any bills here you know and, and as a parent and even as an adult I'm, I'm not a mom but i'm an aunt and i still find myself you know telling my nephews would you stop you don't know what you're talking about you're only six But a lot of these kids do have, um, I think their innocence allows them to be a little bit more open-minded to their intuition because they haven't had anything to distort their point of views. Um, So if I had any recommendations to you as a father, I would say to trust your children and trust what they're saying. And even when they're wrong, explaining to them in a way where they don't feel demeaned or they don't feel bashed they feel like you know what that makes sense sometimes we're so parental with kids nowadays to where they always feel like children and sometimes in the space of feeling like a child you no longer feel like an individual that's capable of making your own decisions so we have to allow our kids, whether right or wrong, to feel like they have a safe space to talk to their parents. And I think that that lack of a safe space is the product of a lot of the issues that happen later on down the line. Because a kid said, I was too scared to tell my mom, I was too scared to tell my dad. And that in itself has its own ripple effect to bad things that end up happening later on down the line. So I've always told myself, even though I come from a household where you get shut down real quick, if a parent doesn't like what you're saying, you're getting shut down. Um, I've been telling myself that I love my parents, uh, but when I have kids, I want to do a better job than they did. My dad's going to kill me when he hears this, but this is the truth. (laughs) they will be okay. I still turned out fine. Um, But I'm going to do a better job at policing myself to make sure that I'm allowing my kids a safe space to be able to communicate. Um, And that's kind of just my goal. And I think that as a father, do you have any daughters?
0: Yeah, I have a daughter and a son, so one of each.
1: You kind of got, got at that back and forth. And I think that sons are quicker to come to their fathers, but daughters are a little bit more, well, I don't know if dad's going to understand because it's coming from a female point of view. Um, but it, it's as a father, even more with your daughter, allowing her a safe space, because I think your son is already going to have that natural connection as a, a boy-to-boy, man-to-man thing. But women, we're a little bit more timid when it comes to co- communicating with men because we don't think I really understand this at all. Um, <laughs> and even more as, as younger kids were struggling to be able to communicate with dad. Um, so I think that that will probably be the, the best thing that I can offer <laughs> as to parents out there listening and just, just outside looking in from what I can see, safe space is very important. And that empowers people to be more, more, voice, more voiceful when it comes to communicating anything because they're used to being at home, being able to say how they feel. Um, hopefully in a, a very um, eloquent way, but they're used to having a space to do that. So I think allowing our kids to do that is very important.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and even what you're saying, right? So it's like particularly for the youth, but then as you just think about it, like, it, you know, it matriculates to adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, whatever it may be is people need that safe place to be vulnerable, to be open. Yeah to be able to tell people how they're feeling and be able to receive back um, some type of um, safety, right? Um, so in saying that though, right? I mean, as you talk about overcoming adversity and, and being able to use that as, as stepping stones, um, one thing that I've noticed from you is that you are, uh, especially as you're speaking, and you do a lot of motivational speaking, you do show that, that vulnerable side to be able to connect with people. Um, how hard was that to be open and, and vulnerable?
1: I've never really struggled with speaking my mind, but I have struggled with telling people about the things that have hurt me in the past. Because, you know, it's hard to be able to come out and say that this is what happened to me as a kid. It's hard to be able to come out and say, I'm hurting from this or hurting from that. But I think that once you break the boundary of vulnerability, there's really no looking back. Uh, And everything else from there, it becomes very easy. Literally, when someone says, you know, and I've had my own fair share of of issues going on in the past where I've had stalkers or or people that that have it out for me for whatever reason. And the first thing they go to is, you know what? I'm going to expose you. I'm like, listen.
0: It's done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can't expose someone that has already put everything out there, love. You go ahead and enjoy yourself. But what it means is that you literally... that you're releasing power by telling people what you're going through or by being vulnerable but really you're retaining power because you have become the the writer of your own story you have become the person that's able to illustrate the things that you've gone through and quite frankly what we don't realize is that people respect vulnerability more than they respect someone that is so um, introverted with their experiences that you don't understand who that person is. You know, I've looked over the past where I I have friends and they're not required to be vulnerable. It's like, I kind of don't know you because I, I don't know what your experiences are. I don't know what even makes you human or has made you you. So I think there's a level of trustworthiness that comes from speakers that are willing to say, this is everything that I've been through in my life and this is how I got through it. I love being able to turn on the television and and look at like the Eric Thomas's and the T.D. Jakes of the world that have literally told you everything. Eric Thomas is quick to say that I I ate out of trash cans. You know, any man that's literally able to to allow himself to be that vulnerable to talk about being in such a state of poverty and now look at him now, that is inspirational to a lot of people. So I think that vulnerability is something that we need to be a little bit more comfortable with allowing ourselves to um, be open because it's easier and it, it doesn't weigh as heavy because you're not so focused on what can I do to protect information. You're focused on what can I do to use this information to inspire people to change or to chase their dreams? What can I do to use this information to help others? And in itself, vulnerability is actually strength.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's it's a lot of very, very good points. So, so if someone that wants to be more open, what is the Deshaun advice? This is how you be more open. Is it just start with one hmm. thing or what should they do?
1: I would say to be more open, you have to first define what you have closed off a lot of the times we have skeletons in our closet that we're so used to them being locked in there that we forget that they're there so i think that a lot of the times vulnerability requires us to understand what is it that you're hiding what is it that you're afraid to talk about Uh, what is it that you don't want people to know so i think the first step to vulnerability is what are you scared of and once you determine that it's easier to be able to push yourself to be open about experiences because you understand what experiences you don't want people to know about.
0: So people that are, are listening to this, there's, there's, we want to inspire and motivate them. We want them to, to dream big. Uh, I mean, you are, you placed top nine out of how many, 86 countries, 86, for Miss countries. 86, yeah, exactly. 86 countries, which is <laughs> the greatest that, you know, accomplishment. So congrats and kudos. Thank so you. that's a, to me at least, that seems like a very big dream, right? How, how do you, or how does one really have that mindset of like, this dream's big, I'm gonna go after it? How do they do that?
1: Dreams can be intimidating. <laughs> and I just did a thing with Google and uh, Shine Hard, uh, an organization that you might know of them, they're based in DC, and they do these Google conversations. And I told um, Johnny Bailey, who runs it, I said, he says, how do you get over being intimidated by dreams? And I said that a lot of times we don't do things because we're afraid. And the best way to combat the intimidation that comes from the things that we're afraid of is to do it afraid. A lot of the times when we're dreaming of something big and we want to do something big, We're waiting for the fear to go away. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And what we realize is that it's never going away. It's never going away. When your dreams are so outrageously huge, you're never going to be fearless in this process. You just aren't. You're always going to be scared. So you have to do it scared. You have to do it when you're afraid. You have to do it when you have doubt. And you just have to allow yourself to push through that fear and recognize that it's never going to go away. But does that mean that it should be the prevention wall placed in front of me? It shouldn't be, merely because we're afraid. Fear, when it comes to the things that we desire, when they're of a certain magnitude, it's never going away. I was never, ever confident when I was on Miss Universe stage. I was scared the whole time. The whole time, even at the Miss USA competition, I was scared for seven years straight when I was competing for my state pageant and we eventually won DC, I was scared. There has never been a time in my life where I've been unafraid. I can't think of a time. I can't literally think of a time where I've been unafraid of something. I'm always scared of something. And I think we're scared of failing. We're scared of, of, of not impressing other people or we're, we're afraid of, of putting so much into something and it doesn't work out. That's what we're afraid of, and that's natural. We're human beings, that's normal. But we have to allow ourselves to still be able to function in fear, and it's difficult to do that. But once you master functioning in fear, nothing is ever going to be able to hold you back from the things that you want. You're always going to be able to push through the the level of of, of fear that you have in your mind, and you're always going to be able to accomplish the things that you want because you don't allow, allow your emotions to dictate the things that you dream of doing and the actions that you plan on taking behind it.
0: Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And the crazy thing too, is that, you know, these fairs that we have people that we're out there with are sharing the same fears, but some, mm-hmm. some reason in our mind, we're just like, is it, is it just me or, or, um, but at the end of the day, action drives out that fear. So yes. we're going to go into a lighting round and this lighting round oh. are just questions that I, I collect from our listeners Um, just in general about people that we're interviewing. So the first, and then the responses should be about 45 seconds, right? Okay. Um, Max. Uh, So what does the phrase, all things are possible mean to you?
1: All things are possible to me means probably exactly that, that we're capable of anything. We are, we, we have the ability within ourselves to accomplish anything. All things are possible means that if you put your mind to something, you can make it happen.
0: All right, all right. What inspires you?
1: Um, a few things. Um, I would I would definitely say my mom inspires me. She passed away uh, three months into winning Miss USA. Uh, I slipped into a really, really, really deep, deep, deep depression during my time as Miss USA. And I think that what inspired me to pull out of the darkness is realizing that she wants me to be happy. And by being sad and upset and hurt 100% of the time, that's not allowing her rest peacefully. Mm. And I need her to be at peace. And I can't allow her to be at peace if I'm not at peace with what happened. So um, I definitely think what inspires me is knowing that me living my dreams is allowing her to rest peacefully.
0: All right, it makes you rest in perfect peace.
1: Thank Um, you.
0: What makes you unique?
1: My ability to connect with people, I've, I've always found, and I think that as a speaker, you have to have that as a talent, you have to be able to connect with people through words, um, through your your energy. And I think that I've always been able to do that in my own short way, shape or form. Um, so I think that that's probably what makes me unique. There, there, I don't think there's a person on the planet that I can't some way find a connection.
0: All right. So, so what's Deshawn Barber up to today?
1: Okay, Deshawn Barber is up to a lot. Um so I am the CEO of Service Women's Action Network. It is a nonprofit that provides professional and personal resources for service women and women veterans. Um it's a position I just started in January. So it's only been about three and a half, four months ish. Um, and I've been loving it. It's, it's again, an example of jumping into something completely afraid. Um, I've never been CEO of a large scale organization before. So. I have staff and interns that work for me and it was the scariest thing and when they called me after all the people that they interviewed, I couldn't believe they offered it to me, but I took it. I said, I'm gonna do it afraid and I'm figuring it out. It's, it's working, so I'm, I'm thankful. But that's been my primary. Um, I'm still in the military. I am a reserve officer at Howard University's Bison Battalion. So I work as a cadre member for the ROTC cadets there. So uh, that's what I do as the second job. And the third job is full-time motivational speaker. I'm under a Harry Walker agency that's based in New York. And before the pandemic, they were flying me all over the world to speak. Uh, So I still do that full-time. So I'm balancing a lot of stuff right now. But yes. (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: so, like, how do you balance all those different things? I know a lot of people where you know they have the the nine to five, and it's just like I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. But people are doing it, right? And yep. how do you how do you do it?
1: I think that it's important to have a Google Calendar. Google Google Calendar just saves my life. It connects everything, um, and it's it's important to be as as organized as possible. I also have an assistant. Um, that at bare minimum runs my emails and does all my scheduling. So that does take a little bit of the, the heftiness off of it. Um, but I think I maintain it through lots of prayer, um, a little bit of margaritas every now and then, <laughs> um, and uh, a lot of support. So I, I maintain it because it's something that you love. And when you love something a lot, you're, you're willing to have sleepless nights over it. So...
0: And I know you're not talking about like virgin margaritas either, right?
1: Yeah, never virgin margaritas. <laughs> lots of tequila. <laughs> All
0: right, so Deshada, so our our listeners are are looking for some inspiration and motivation. What can you leave them with to be inspired?
1: I always leave um, organizations or speeches or podcasts by saying, "Do not fear failure, but please be terrified of regret." Uh, it's it's a mantra that drives me and I do think that it's a mantra that will help your followers
0: thank you very much thank you very much Tashana so wishing you great success keep pushing forward keep inspiring and motivating others and keep doing the great work that you're doing
1: thank you I appreciate it thank you so much for having me
0: dream big and never stop dreaming but remember dreams without action are just dreams and often lead to disappointment so let's get to work And thank you for listening to My Dream Big Club's podcast. Please leave a review and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whichever podcast app you have. I'm your host, Sheldon Phillips. Take care.